In this episode, Moore and I will talk about the importance of the knowledge transfer process, especially when it comes to consultants and vendors working on your projects. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here, we highlight proven solutions that we have developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will talk about the importance of the knowledge transfer process, especially when it comes to consultants and vendors working on your projects. Maura, why don't you take us away? Thanks, Lee, and hello, everyone. So knowledge transfer. This is one of those buzzwords that you hear, especially in strategy consulting presentations, I think. Um, at least that's where I first started hearing it. And it's something that you might just say, oh, that must happen all automatically. You know, we're in the project, we're learning about it. Of course, we're going to understand it. But as it turns out, paying attention to that transfer of knowledge, that transfer of understanding, and that real ownership of whose project is this is actually a critical part of your long-term success. As regular listeners of our podcast know, we talk about our experience as consultants, but we try to give you opportunities to do the same exact thing as an in-house person. Knowledge transfer is one of those challenges that applies in both cases, but it is a bigger need when you're hiring outside expertise. So as you take on a project, you're looking at something new, it's something big, and you're thinking about your resources. How are you going to implement a new contract management solution? How are you going to build an asset data hierarchy? That's something you haven't done before. So you look around internally, if you're the internal person and you look around internally, who have we got? We've got people in IT that we can work with. We've got people in the business that understand their data, but externally, we need to get some expertise. So we do an, might do an RFP. You might have a relationship with consultants or vendors that you've met at conferences or industry events. You call somebody and you have a conversation. You get into the project and now you've got a, you've got a clear goal. You're going to implement a contract management solution. You've got a budget and you've got a deadline. And this is where your outside experts have an advantage over inside resources in some ways, because they're gonna be dedicated to your project. You're paying them for their time. You're paying them to get this done in a certain, in a, within your deadlines. Your internal resources still have other obligations that they're carrying out. So it's really tempting to just let your consultants and your vendors get this done. That's why you hired them. They're the experts and they can go faster than you and they're dedicated to your project. They don't have anything else pulling at their time. But I wanna caution you, don't give in to that temptation. And there are two big reasons that I'm thinking about. One is if you just kind of have this happen outside of your team, then you're gonna get a solution. And depending on how well you wrote the requirements and how good the vendors and consultants are at engaging your stakeholders, hopefully that solution will be exactly what you need. But nobody on your side will really understand the nuances. So that's one issue. The other kind of more immediate risk is 
that you may have forgotten some things in your requirements and the vendors will fill in the gaps on their own. They will think, well, this is what we've done for our last five clients. It must be what'll work here too. And they will make those choices for you and you won't be involved on a daily basis. You might not have enough context to say, no, that's a terrible idea for us or yes, that's gonna work for us. Either way, that short-term need can turn into a long-term cost too, because while the system might be great on day one, your business will continue to grow. Your people will continue to change. You'll have turnover or people will take on new things. And you're going to have to make adjustments to whatever new system or new solution or new program that the vendors and consultants help you put in place. And if you aren't fully up to speed on how you got to where you are, how are you going to move forward? You're going to have to hire another vendor or another consultant. So you can kind of start that cycle over. So this is the problem. This is the kind of where, what could happen. How do we guard against it? Yeah, I almost associated to, you know, when a programmer does customization for certain items and then that programmer goes away and nobody can remember the customization that was done. I mean, that's kind of kind of what happens here if you have a consultant do all of the work for you and then you, know, you a consultant, you do want them to go away eventually. So you want to pick it up and take it over yourself. That customization or those pieces are important to keep, to remember or to definitely hone in on. I totally agree. And actually, I'm really glad you brought that up about programmers or developers and customization because one of the first techniques that you can employ around how to capture this information, make sure you're doing the knowledge transfer is documentation. And a good developer who's writing custom code is going to document that code, annotate that code right in it. They're also going to provide you with documents that you don't have to be a technical person to read to say, these are the requirements we're meeting. This is how we're going to meet them in the design. This is how to use it from a user perspective. This is how that usability, that user guide fits into your business process. And if you have that complete set of documentation, not only does it give you a good first day overview of what's happening, but you're going to forget those details over time. And you can go back and look at that documentation and say, oh, right, this was the business process we were trying to fix. This is our documentation of the as is and the to be. This is how we wrote out our functional requirements. This is how the design met those requirements. And here's the user guide for how we're supposed to be using this system to implement this business process. So complete documentation that you get in advance from your vendor, not at all at the end, or in some cases late <laughs> after the fact, you wanna be looking at that all along. And not just you, remember that stakeholder group, that small steering committee that you've engaged throughout your whole process here as you're trying to build your information management program they need to see the documentation too, because they're gonna have different questions. And especially the representatives of different parts of your business are going to see themselves in this solution in different ways. And so when you're putting together a project plan, make sure that you put enough time in for that documentation, not just the creation, but also the review and the update. Well, a key piece to that too, and I'm glad you mentioned project plan because that, we talked about that in the previous episode, but you can schedule in your project plan to do a lessons learned 
meeting or so forth and so on. But that's really not enough. At the end of the project, we want to get you know everything out and so forth and what lessons, what best practices that we learned and what did we use. That's really not enough. It's having the socialization aspect in that project plan, having the meetings on a consistent basis with you, the project leader, with your consultants, with other individuals, so that the information is, is among a number of people, not just one or two people. That's what's going to be key as well. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Lee. And even if you haven't hired vendors and consultants, if you've turned this project over to some really talented person in your business, you don't want them to be the only owner of this knowledge either. Now, they have an advantage over an outside person in that they understand your business, which is great, but don't take away the need for that documentation, that regular review, and those regular socialization points. Have your, your expert bring everybody together and, and talk about the choices they're making. Because it's, again, it's tempting if you're inside to think, I know how to fix this, so I'm going to just do it. And I'll tell you, one of the projects I'm working on right now, there's an expert in there who has been there about 15 years, and he has massaged and manipulated and pulled together a lot of data from different sources. And as we are trying to move from sort of standalone databases to a more enterprise master data driven environment, we are having a really hard time unraveling what's happened. And the one person who created the approaches to reporting is very deep in the data. And so he knows it so well, and he's been working on it for 10 plus years. He can't remember where he started 10 years ago, and nobody can. So again, when you're looking at this knowledge transfer process, you want to document as much as possible, and you want to share the knowledge among different people so that you have some backup and you have people to remember, to remind each other. Remember when we did this thing, we knew it was a short-term fix, but we've been using it for eight years now because we haven't had time to get to the phase two. And so... What was our original thinking before we had came up with this short-term fix? Because that's where we want to start now as we go to a bigger step, because we never intended this to be the long-term answer. And one person who is just deep into the data and doing it every day, they're not going to remember that. No one could. It's too many details. And so your knowledge transfer process really has to start at the beginning of the project, like you said, Lee. And you have to build this time in because when you get to the end of the project, it's time to move on to the next one. Your vendors and consultants are going to move on, but also your internal people are going to move on. They're going to go back to their regular jobs that they put on hold or that they squished into a small part of their day. And they're just going to like breathe for a minute so that they don't have to feel like they're running against the clock anymore. And it's as soon as you take your take a minute away from this project, you know, you take a vacation, the details are going to be fuzzier and recreating that rich knowledge and understanding of the problem you were trying to solve, the reason you picked this solution, the reason you made the choices that you made in terms of process change or configuration, you're going to lose it. And so from a knowledge transfer perspective, what we, what we always try to do is 
the documentation throughout, the socialization throughout, and then the wrap up, the lessons learned that you're talking about, Lee, at the end, to make sure that we've done we've done everything we can think of to say, here's the whole package. You know, you're ready. You've got everything you need, client, to go forward. So it's important, and it's it's more than a buzzword. The knowledge transfer process. I think it's definitely more than a buzzword. That's for sure. And we talked a lot about consultants and vendors and so forth in a particular project. What about more of when an employee's moving on and just general knowledge transfer between one employee to another on, on whoever's taking over their position? Let's say they're retiring. I think the same thing applies where documentation right? The organization, the filing, the method in which that person files things is going to be key so that people can find and track exactly what they did. I agree. You can apply these, these concepts of knowledge transfer in all of these, in, in your everyday work life. And retirement is a perfect example where how often do we go into an offsite storage project for somebody and what we find is 15 boxes that say Mike's desk, because when Mike, who'd been there for 25 years, left, everybody was afraid to get rid of anything because he knew all the answers, but they didn't, they didn't have the time to go through and sort all the papers. It happens electronically too. Oh, just give me a PST of all of his emails. So then you end up, you're the third person in the, the finance or accounting role, and you've got PST files from two people who left 10 years ago. Do you look back at them? Maybe, but mostly it's just an unexplored store of largely useless information and some gems. And so again, taking that time up front to think about how are we going to manage these business processes, managing your information in a central way and not in an individual way is one of the key things when you talk about just routine work as opposed to a project. On my soapbox about email should not be a filing system, the key reason is because email is tied to an individual and what you want are records tied to business process. (laughs) Records and data tied to business process stored centrally so that they can be accessed and that they are identified, organized, labeled, tagged in a consistent way. You can apply retention according to your retention schedule. You can retrieve them if you have an audit or an e-discovery or you need them to carry out your business process. Everything is easily found and retrieved and you can disposition it on time so you don't have a lot of stuff that's 20 years old that you don't need anymore. That was good stuff, Maura. That was definitely us trying to transfer our knowledge to our listeners. So if you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune into our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, Please share it with people in your social media network. That way we can help more people and get our podcast out to a wider audience. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thanks, Lee. And also you outed us there on this whole podcast is about knowledge transfer. Now everybody knows. (laughs) Talk to you next time.